Good morning, Midlands. Our reading today is uh, 1 John 2, 12 through 17. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Hey, Midlands family. Uh, hope you're all doing well. Um, it's probably already been said uh, earlier in uh, the video this morning, but really just want to say thank you uh, for your flexibility and uh, your patience and just your willingness to, to work with us on um, just trying to do what we need to do to keep people safe. Uh, interesting times, and um, I've, I've just always been very, very thankful for Midlands that um, uh, we kind of are able to do things on the fly, and I appreciate that. And and um, you know, there have been times when we've actually made a change of location, and uh, within the last, you know, 12 hours before our service, and one time a few years back, and and we ended up having the largest um, attendance that we had had to that point. And uh, everything was set up and ran smooth. And so I just want to uh, say in the elders, we'd just like to say thank you for um, for your understanding. Um, so this morning, as we get into um, our study time, um, you know, we're in the book of 1 John. And when we first started this summer series, Hart talked about that John, the gospel that we've been working through, through is really so that people will believe. And John says that, so that you may believe. And that's the title that we've given that sermon, or that sermon series. But this one is actually written, these letters are written to the church, written to believers. And it's about how to behave and their expectations and what God's calling them to do. Um, but it's also to remind them of what God has done for them through Jesus. And so as we work through um, the summer series, uh, it's exciting to think about that, and uh, the title of our sermon today is called Love Letters. And I chose that title, Not it's not, obviously, it's not a love letter like a romantic love letter, but it's um, just when you care about somebody that you will write letters to them. And Letter writing has kind of gone out of style. Um, I don't remember the last time that I wrote a letter to someone. Uh, probably the closest I came was writing a couple sentences in a card. Um, but I used to write letters, and letters used to be a lot more prominent than they are now. Uh, going back to this time and before, um, growing up, uh, I would uh, remember letters from my grandparents uh, to my parents and to me. And uh, I remember when I was in college, uh, it was a little, little different time. And uh, so instead of having a cell phone or, you know, a computer or, or things to be able to connect with people that way, um, I actually got excited every day going to the post office on campus to my P.O. box to see if I had a letter that somebody had written to me. Um, I've read a lot of biographies and biographies, uh, especially 
uh, for um, folks that have passed away that are maybe lived uh, 50, 100, 200 years ago, the way that we know about them and the things in their life, a lot of the things that we know are from their journals and from their letters, both letters they wrote and letters they received. So letters are things that, um, that uh, we don't do as much as we used to. But letters were written, and it could be because letters, um, they, they take time to write. Um, and, but in, in John's day, um, and, and throughout history, when you write a letter to someone, a lot of times it's because you really do care about them and you're trying to share with them your thoughts and your emotions and things. So, so that's what these are. These are um, love letters that John has written to the people that he loves, the church. And so he is sharing with them he, the same way that a shepherd would care for his, uh, his flock. Um, and he's trying to help them through uh, some difficult times that are going on. And I think we can relate to that now because um, it's a difficult time in, in our country and in our world. Um, there is unrest. There is uh, the, the coronavirus uh, and the uncertainties that go along with that. And then just our world. Uh, we are, um, our world is moving further and further uh, opposed to God. Um, uh, it always has been, but it's been more and more prominent and more and more uh, clear that there's a separation there. And uh, so John's writing these letters, and you can tell he's writing to people that he, that he loves because he calls them that. He calls them beloved and uh, whom I love and calls them little children, my little children, um, throughout these, uh, these three letters. So he's, he's sharing with them um, because he loves them. And because he loves them, he's also, he writes very boldly. He, he is letting them know uh, what the expectations are um, of a believer. Um, but he's, he's being very bold with them because he loves them very much. Just like a dad and a mom would do uh, for their children. So last week's passage that Bala covered... Um, it was pretty serious and very, very convicting. Um, and it, it talked about one key, key way that Christians um, obey God is by loving other uh, believers. And, um, and it, it said, let me, let me read in verses um, 9 through 11 from last week, just as a reminder. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness, and whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he, he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So that's very serious, uh, very bold, what John is doing and sharing with, uh, with the church there. Um, and one of the things that John has done as we've gone and looked through these last few weeks, uh, the first part of, of um, 1 John, is... Uh, is, is it is very direct and it is very bold and he's trying to help them understand um, how to deal with the challenges of being uh, in the world but not, not of the world. And so as he's doing this, um, he, he actually takes a break. Um, so he goes and at the beginning of the letter, he jumps right into his instruction and letting them know uh, the things that he's trying to, to share with them. And then he takes a little bit of a break here in these first three verses that we're going to cover this week. Um, and he is addressing them. He's addressing them to what, what seems to be three groups, but it's actually two, two groups, technically. But we'll talk a little bit about those different groups. So 
Um, let me read it real quick, read those three verses. So this is John, and he's, he's just laid some pretty serious, pretty heavy uh, um, instructions on them. And then he says, I am writing to you. So he, he takes a break from his, from his letter to explain why he's writing the letter to him. So he says, I am writing you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. So let, let's stop there real quick and, and talk about those three different audiences that it sounds like he is talking to. So the, the term, the Greek word um, technia for little children that is uh, what's translated here is only found in John's writings and it always seems to be a, this term of endearment. Like it's always, you know, my children and it's it, this, this compassion, this love, this intimate, you know, relationship between him and the church that he's talking to. And then um, in uh, the end part of verse 13, he actually just said he leaves off the little and the word that's translated children there is pedia. Um, and that term as it's used throughout John's writings, it, it really demonstrates a love and a fatherly concern. So he is, he is talking to uh, the, who he calls little children and children, but he's not referring to, based on what we have seen and see throughout these letters, he's not referring to uh, actual children. He is referring to the whole church as his children. He as the, the fatherly figure, the pastoral figure for them, and he is calling them his beloved, his little children, as he is instructing them. So, so that that term, little children and children, is is used to to address the the whole church there. And then he talks about fathers. He directs um, a, a verse or two there to fathers, and fathers, especially in the ancient world, was a term of respect. Um, fathers were um, whether it was a your physical father or a father figure. Um, it was someone that cared for you, someone that would lead you and that would be an example for you. So our church fathers, our, our, our dads, our grandfathers. Um, but in the church, what he's talking about here is he's actually appealing to those that have some type of level of maturity in their faith. So maturity within the church. So uh, they could be older gentlemen, um, but it could very well just be someone who is mature in in their faith and is a leader among that church and then he talks to and addresses the young men and this is a term um, translated here for somebody who's not yet um, doesn't yet have that same type of maturity or level of maturity that the fathers have uh, they might be younger in age or they might just be younger in their faith um, so this this term this in um, when the Greek when the Old Testament was translated into Greek. This term for young men, it was also used for the spies in Joshua that were sent into Jericho, those young, bold men. And it was also used to describe Daniel and his three friends in the book of Daniel. So it, it's a phrase that talks about, and we see in the verses here, someone who's young, and, and it talks really uh, mostly points toward their potential and their promise. So John is talking to these young men um, about their potential and their promise of uh, becoming leaders and, and leading not only in their own families, but in their church, in their community as they share the gospel and grow 
in the truth. So in this, um, in this passage that we've read through here, uh, he's reminding them, this is, this is a passage, these verses are of uh, an, an encouragement that John is giving to the church. And he's saying to the whole church, he's like, I'm, he's reminding them, your sins are forgiven for his, for Jesus's namesake, um, and you know the Father. So that's what he's telling the whole church. Uh, and then he tells the fathers, um, the more mature leaders, he says, you know him who is from the beginning. And he says that in verse uh, 13, and then in verse 14, like of the three groups that he's talking to, children, fathers, and young men, um, the whole church, the fathers, and then the young men, the only thing that's identical, that's repeated uh, verbatim, is the, the, uh, the language to the fathers. And he's saying, you who knew him, who he is from the beginning. So he's helping them to understand that uh, it doesn't matter uh, how old or mature you are in your faith. Just remember that um, it's, it's not what we know, it's who we know. And he's letting them know that, it, that their faith is based on Jesus, who has been from the beginning. And um, so it's an encouragement to them to, to lead and be mature, but also to be humble. And remember that they uh, are only leading because God has put them in that position to do that. So some encouraging words there and then to the young men John reminds them that they're they've overcome the devil and he says that twice to them and, and he uh it's the truth that actually we're gonna dig into later on in some later chapters so we won't go into it here but um it talks about that that they've been able to overcome the evil one he reminds them that they're strong um and that they can resist the the false teachings of the word of the world because the word of God abides in them. We see that in, in the second time he addresses them in verse 14. And it's because of that, it's because of the word of God living in them, that they, not on their own strength, but that strength in the word of God has, uh, has allowed them to overcome the evil one. So these, these uh, three verses, 12 through 14, uh, come at a time where John has been very bold and very direct and very even confrontational to a certain extent um, of instruction to the church. And then he steps back, just like a dad. You know, there are times when your dad just has to tell, you, tell it like it is and tells you what you need to hear. But then your dad will take you in his arms and say, hey, you know, I love you and here, I, I've always loved you and here are the, the things you need to remember. And so John is reminding the church, you know, Wow, you're, these are the things that you need to remember. Your sins are forgiven. The Word of God is in you. You've known the Father. And these are things that, that are encouraging and should be encouraging to us today. So as he pauses here from some very direct instruction that we had uh, in the verses uh, prior to this, he's pausing to just encourage them and, and a reminder of these gospel truths. Um, that they can rest in, uh, even when things around them seem crazy, just like a good dad should do, and a good pastor should do. So uh, we have those verses, and those are the encouraging verses. Then we move into verses 15 through um, 17, and John's still encouraging here. He's still encouraging the church, but the tone returns to just being bold and direct, like in verses 9 through 11. So in 
the first part of verse 15, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. So he is telling them, uh, and we need to understand what he means by the world. So John uh, and the things of the world, John is not saying don't love creation. He's not talking about creation here. Um, and God clearly loves the world. We can we know that throughout scripture, but you know, the first verse that probably comes to mind is John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. So um, what he's talking about isn't, because uh, God um, loves uh, the people of the world to the point of giving his son for them, uh, but he doesn't love the evil of the world. And so what John's talking about here really is more about the, this system, this realm of rebellion against God that is the world and are the things of the world. So he he's mentioning um, this because uh, we know that our world that we live in today and the world that they lived in then doesn't know God. And in fact, um, in chapter 3 of this very letter, it actually says that this world um, hates believers, hates those who follow Jesus. And um, it's very, very, very evident in our world today. Now, later on in this letter, um, and that'll be in a, in a future sermon, John talks about false teachers, more about them. He even talks about the Antichrist. Um, and obviously those are part of what this world is. Um, but what he's saying um, is that this whole world, and it's actually at the end of First um, John, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So that's what he's talking about when he says, do not love the world or the things of the world. So he is making the point that this world is hostile towards God the Father. This world that we live in is hostile towards God's word. The world is hostile toward Jesus. And the world is hostile towards the church, which is why he says at the end of verse 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So he's making that point that um, you have to make a decision. You know, are you going to follow the world, be of the world? Or are you going to follow Jesus and love Jesus and love your fellow believers as uh, our, was, we are called to in verses um 9 through 11. So when you think about this world, and uh, um, it's, it's become, it's always been hostile to the truth, and it's always been hostile. Jesus came into a hostile world, um, and he, uh, he eventually gave his life for uh, this sinful world. And uh, today, when when you are sharing scripture or sharing the gospel with people, um, you can run into hostility. And uh, I was reading an article this week. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. I want to going on in our world right now and um, unrest and hostility and uh, uh, opinions and beliefs. And, um, and people uh, want to make the truth whatever they decide it is instead of basing their truth on the word and on scripture. And I was reading an article about someone that was attacking this other person. This other person, um, you know, had specific views on, on marriage and love and creation and, uh, and those types of things. And, um, the person 
that was talking about those things was not quoting scripture, but it was clear that their belief system uh, was based on scripture. And, um, and so the person that was criticizing that person and their view said that you can't use some antiquated view um, to define love and define marriage and to define, you know, what this is 2020. So we have to um, be in today and be in the modern times. And uh, that word antiquated, um, it actually means out of date. And we know as believers that, that God's word is not out of date and God's word will never be out of date. But we should not be surprised that the world is going to continue. It is hostile and will continue to be uh, more and more hostile toward the truth, toward scripture. And, uh, um, and as Christians, we, it, it was something that was going on uh, at this time when John was writing this letter because that was the, the early days of the church and they were uh, literally, there were those that would be, were being put to death, being martyred for their faith. And that has occurred throughout uh, church history and uh, it's still going on today. And as we look in our, in our own country, um, just uh, being a believer and following Jesus and, uh, and trusting in him, it, 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 people are hostile toward that and hostile toward our faith and hostile toward the teachings of scripture. And um, it's, it's very interesting when you hear someone talk about what love should be and then they're missing the point of what love really is, as we can see in scripture. So as John goes on, he continues to tell them, he says, for verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from this world. So um, the first two things, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, those seem pretty self-explanatory. Um, but what's, um, what's the pride of life? So that Greek word that's translated pride there is typically used to refer to arrogant boasting. So it isn't just you know, I'm proud of myself for doing this. It's like, I, I did this, and it was me and not you. And and then the Greek word that's used here for life is actually a lot of times refers to um, either material goods or wealth or um, things like that, your uh, prosperity. And so what John is warning them against is he's like, he's warning them against a sense of self, having this self-importance that comes from pride in your possessions or your position, or your or prestige, um, and uh, he's he's saying don't don't uh, fall for that. Don't uh, don't put your worth in things or who you are or what your job is or um, your your um, your value, your worth is in Jesus and your relationship with Him. So he's reminding them uh, not to lose sight of that, and then in. Verse 17, our last verse, says, The world is passing away along with its desires, and whoever does the will of God abides forever. So in verse 17, John's telling us, you know, not only is the world and the things of the world, those things are passing away, um, they're all opposed to God, as he says there. Um, but those things are temporary. Those things are passing away. And in contrast to that, to that, those who do the will of God 
abide forever, and they abide forever with God. So that's an encouraging thing. So in light of the gospel promises that he shared with his church, with his church in, um, in verses 12 through 14, um, this warning that he gives in verses 15 through 17 um, is calling them to make a decision. And it's calling us to make a decision. This letter, um, and I was going through a letter uh, last year. My mom found a letter that she had told me about, but I'd never seen it. But she found it in some of her stuff. And it was written um, from my dad to my mom a few months before they got married um, in 1957. And it actually mentions me by name um, because they had already picked out a name for a son. Now, I... Contrary to your probable beliefs, I was not born in 1957. I'm slightly younger than that. Um, I was born in 63, so this letter was written six years before I was born. But it it applied to me. It, it mentioned me. Well, this letter uh, that we're studying today was written 2,000 years ago. But it applies to us today, just like it did the church of that time. They had to make a decision. Were they going to trust these gospel truths that he shared in verses 12 through 14 and make the decision to be obedient and to follow Jesus um, as they are called to and turn away from the world and the things of the world, as he mentions in the verses uh, 15 through 17. Um, and we have to make that decision. Do we love the things of this world that are temporary or are we going to love the things of God, the things um, that are eternal? And do we want to abide with him forever? Um, we're, we're living in some pretty interesting times that are uh, requiring Christians to, to make some decisions. Um, it's not the first time in history this has happened, but it's pretty clear that there's some, some significant things going on where we need to make some decisions about, um, are we going to stand up for the truth of the gospel? Uh, are we going to remain quiet? and safe. Um, I want to close this morning with just a, a brief passage, or a, um, not a passage, no, it's not a scripture passage, it's a, uh, a quote from a book, and it's by a guy named Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and most of you probably know who he is, just a reminder. He was a, a German pastor, um, and uh, when the Nazi party came into power. Um, uh, he could see what was going on. He actually came to the United States for a, for a time and, and could have remained here safe throughout the war, but he made the decision to go back and to, um, to be part of the church, to try to share the gospel and stand for the truth in the midst of what was going on in Germany. And, and he actually, um, as a minister during that time of the Nazi um, regime, he he was seeing people that were believers that were captivated by trying to be friends with this and a friendship with the world, with the, the Nazi regime, because they thought it brought some sense of, of safety. Um, and he wrote these words, and if you know the story of Bonhoeffer, you know that, that eventually he was arrested, he was thrown in prison, and he was martyred. He was um, he was killed uh, by the Nazis just days before um, uh, Berlin and where he was uh, actually was liberated. 
But here is what he wrote about the church. And when the church is confronted with difficult times and we have to make a decision to stand with the truth or not, here's what he said. In obedience and faith alone, the church took up the struggle ordained for her. From the word alone, she may be led for her Lord. She gladly gave up all cares, all security, all friendship with the world. Yes, our way leads also through distress, but the Lord bound us not to yield. Do we want to yield today for the sake of friendship with the world? Do we want to sell our calling for the mess of pottage? of a safe future. Through our own behavior, we are making the gospel of our church unworthy of belief. Those are pretty strong words, pretty bold words, just like the words of John to the church, where he's saying, it isn't easy. It is not easy to be in this world and to follow Christ, because this world is totally opposed to him. This world is of the evil one, and Satan uh, is a master of deceit and a master of trickery, and, uh, and he is perfectly content with Christians sitting back and not standing for the truth. Um, Bonhoeffer gave his life to, uh, to stand for the truth, um, and we need to do the same, be willing to sacrifice our life, even if that's just our, our way of life, uh, to be obedient to the Father, to be obedient to the truths that are in Scripture. Because as, as, uh, as bold as John's instructions are um, throughout this, uh, he also reminded us of, the, of those truths in verses 12, 13, and 14. We, our sins are forgiven for Jesus' name's sake. We know him. The one from the beginning. We have overcome the evil one, not on our own strength, but because the Word of God lives in us. So I want to encourage you this week and uh, as you think through this, this passage and, and discuss it in your, um, in your community groups, um, to talk about that, to talk about our need to be bold and our need to share the gospel. Um, it would be easy to stay, uh, uh, easier to stay confined and stay safe or think we're staying safe by not being confrontational. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying to, to be disrespectful and challenge people in an inappropriate way, but we need to, to stand for the truth, and we need to not be ashamed of the gospel, and we need to um, share uh, with those that aren't believers, that totally disagree with us, um, what the truth is. And, uh, and that's what we're called to do as believers, to love each other, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, to not love the world, but to stand for the truth. So um, let, let's, let's pray now. Father, we thank you for this time, uh, Father, that, um, that we are studying through this, this passage today. Father, it's, very, uh, it's a very simple passage, um, just sharing the truths of the gospel and a very direct um, call for us to not love this world or the things of the world, but to love you and to trust you in all that we do, Father. And I just pray that we will um, boldly proclaim you um, to this lost world that we live in, Father. And Lord, no matter how easy it would seem to just kind of step back and not, um, 
and, and not speak the truth to others, Father. I pray that you'll just, that you'll encourage us to share your love and your truth with the, the people that we, that we see on a regular basis and on a daily basis, Father. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us throughout this week, uh, Father, and I just pray um, that we will be able to gather again together soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.